Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Thank you for listening. This is The Best Of with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Buck, I don't know how much attention you've ever paid to this story, but I went to, I think I've talked about this on the show before, I went to a public magnet school in the Nashville area for grades 7 through 12. Um, And it was a school that was academic-focused, and you had to have, they give you like, Stay nine tests or whatever they, I think they call the TCAP, uh, Tennessee Comprehensive Assessment Program that you take when you're a kid. And basically, it's for smart kids uh, to the extent that I can qualify as smart. And uh, seven through 12, it changed my life immeasurably, right? Uh, I went to public school K through 12. And I got to go to this school, Martin Luther King, grades 7 through 12. And by the way, I think I got, I got an email this morning from one of the guidance counselors saying they're trying to do away with 7th and 8th grade there, which is its own crazy story, uh, which I think is an awful idea. But there have been of late, and I don't know if you've paid a lot of attention to this, Buck, but I, I've kind of paid a great deal of attention to it because of my own academic background. Of late, there have become attacks on high uh, academic courses, whether it's AP courses, whether it's honors courses, whether it's the schools themselves designed for smart kids as an attack upon equity. And sometimes, Buck, it's focused on, hey, we don't have the right enrollment. The AP history class is not diverse enough. Uh, the, the, The people who are taking AP calculus, oh, they don't have enough Uh, of this particular minority in them. And so the result is some places say you should just do away with them. 
And I was thinking about that this morning as I was getting ready for the show, and I saw this headline from the Daily Mail. Chicago's progressive mayor, Brandon Johnson, announces plan to axe Windy City's high-achieving selective enrollment high schools to boost equity despite promising not to during an election campaign. And Buck, you grew up in New York City, which is probably where all this kind of started. I know Boston has their own version. Northeast, I think, is where this high uh, achievement public high school dynamic began. And those schools in both New York City and Boston have also been coming under attack. Chicago, my hometown of Nashville. The idea is, oh, there's too many smart kids there. And if they don't directly reflect what the population of the enrollment is of the overall student body, then we've got to tear them down. I just think this is a direct attack upon the meritocracy itself. We sh- don't we want? Shouldn't we want smart kids to be as smart as they possibly can be? This is a an ongoing, and it's it's fascinating how this plays out, and it's one of those one of those policy issues where you see that the progressives are actually cruel in the name of diversity or cruel in the name of some higher good because instead of allowing high achievement uh, high schools or courses to exist, they get very frustrated because you, you can't actually have these schools and high schools. You know, they can't do like the college application holistic nonsense where it's like, oh, the person's essay is why they got in. No, actually, it's skin color, it's affirmative action. It's the things that we all know that they're taking into account more than anything else. But, okay, you see this happening. I mean, the fact that they they can't change the numbers, then they go, well, let's just shut it down. Let's shut it down. And they've done this. They'll shut down schools that outperform other public schools as a, um, a giveaway to the teachers' unions, the thuggery of the lazy and inept teachers' unions. Um, they did that in New York City. They were trying to. They're going to shut down Harlem Success Academy. Young black kids outperforming all of their peers of all races on statewide tests, doing phenomenally well. And there was a movement uh, under de Blasio to shut down the Harlem Success Academy schools. Why? Well, as I said, teachers union stuff. But also, you know what the centerpiece of, of these some of these charter schools is? Accountability for the kids and the parents. Yes, and, and there's another, and I actually, so, you know, you were, I mean, Clay's like, I mean, there's like the school for geniuses in Tennessee. <laughs> I, I, Clay Travis, but, maybe but, went to the, the way, school I for think, geniuses. I, I think you might also point out that some people would say a genius for kids from Tennessee could be considered an oxymoron in many parts of the country. But, yes, this was a, uh, I, I, like, I, I mean, I, I, I do not believe, but here's the way I'll put it to you, because I know you went to a, you were a, at a really good school in New York City. Yeah, I went City to a, too. Nerd, a nerd school for the yeah, small I went kids. To, I went to a nerd school in Nashville. Here's a good question, and I would put it this way. I was fortunate to go get a scholarship to George Washington, and then I graduated from Vanderbilt Law School. I think that I would not have achieved any of that if I hadn't gone to Martin Luther King 7th through 12th grade. 7th and 8th grade, I think, were the toughest years academically for me way tougher than college and law school. And some people think that's crazy, but it was about catching up. It was about determining what level of academic achievement you could attain. I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you today if I hadn't been able to go to that school. And and there's another school in New York City. I mean, I want to, we can get back to Chicago's progressive mayor. Just to point out here that 
he's going to get rid of these schools because they upset people. Think about yes. how cruel that is. Think about the how meritocracy nasty it is. upsets people uh, on on the left right now. But but it's 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 really it's a sore point on the left because it goes to the failure of oh all these. They always do these things where they say if we just had better student teacher ratio, if we had more resources, if we yes. spent more money. No, what the actual data shows is: Do your parents show up to parent teacher night, or does a parent show up to parent teacher night? Do the parents make sure the kid arrives at school on time and is picked up if they're at the age where they have to be picked up by an adult who isn't, you know, who cares for them? Do the parents check to see the kid is doing the homework? Is the kid supported in their day to day when they get home? Does someone ask them about their school? Does someone eat dinner with them? It doesn't have to be, you know, filet mignon served by a butler. Does someone sit with the child and talk to them over the dinner table about their day? Nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear that it's it's structural racism or they want to hear that it's systemic inequality or they want to hear whatever. And one of the best uh, laboratories of how this uh, elite school system plays out in the whole country, there's Stuyvesant High School. Now, there's a lot of beef between Stuyvesant and my high school, Regis, because we were both free schools, but we were the free private school and they were obviously public, so it's free. But you had to take a special test for both to get in. Humble brag, Clay, I got into both, but... I remember I showed up on on Stuyvesant Test Day, and I'm not I'm not kidding when I say it was me and a thousand or so Asian kids. Yeah, and 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 now it was, I, I did not not I super that rich day. Asian kids. By the way, these are first generation. Yes. The parents like are engaged. I was going to go. It's so important. They the poorest ethnicity per capita in New York City of the sort of you know of the black, white, Hispanic, and Asian is actually Asian. They are poorer per capita. And, and the people, this blows people's minds. They cannot believe it until they look up the data and they say, oh, my gosh, it's actually true. So it's not that there's all these rich kids. You know, this isn't like the crazy rich Asians movie where people are driving Maseratis everywhere and flying on private jets. These are, to your point, immigrants whose parents often speak almost no English. Um, now, Stuyvesant is just the test. There's no... Nothing it's but the, the ultimate meritocracy. It, you sit just, down, and it's just how well do you score on a test? And, and it's like the SATs. It's sort of math and probably language arts or reading. Or I forget what they call it now. It's been a long time. But it's a, a, you know, a verbal section, a math section. All right, Clay. This is from the New York Times, by the way. This was from earlier this year. Because every yeah. year we have to have the same debate. Just like they're having in Chicago right now. Of the 762 new students admitted to Stuyvesant Elite High School next year, how many are black? I would bet that it is 500 Asian, 100 white, uh, and you said 780 or something? like 762 students. 75 uh, Hispanic and 75 black, if I were guessing. Seven. That's crazy. Seven. Yeah. Um, Now, this is very upsetting. Very upsetting to the Democrat administration of New York City. Very upsetting to you. You have to remember, Clay... Um, I mean, I had a friend who was a teacher in one of these like uh, one of these they call them like Renaissance schools. And she says that, you know, all it's all the computers are brand new and there's so much money and there's so much tax dollars and all this stuff. They haven't budged the test scores for black and Hispanic students in the public school system in 40 years. They they can't do it. 
Now, Harlem Success Academy, charter school systems have had success. It's not that it can't happen, but the system that they're operating in overall does not work. And so there's just this this uh, year in and year out debate. And you know what they want to do? They want to make Stuyvesant a random lottery school. Because then it's like, well, everybody gets a shot. But the point is, Stuyvesant is only Stuyvesant. And by the way, fierce debate rivals. So I kind of want to talk some trash about them. We were like, the, you know, like the Sharks and the Jets from West Side Story. That yes. was Regis and Stuyvesant in debate. Does it get nerdier than this, folks? No, it does not. I mean, you can see the pocket protectors right now, those of you listening to us on radio across the country. But they always want to try to shut it down because it is just a it's a thumb in the eye of the whole system and all the spending and all the money. And it also goes to the meritocracy. You actually see this. Why are only seven black students getting into Stuyvesant this year? What is going on? I mean, I think the New York City, I'm guessing, I think it's like 30% maybe African-American. I have to check on that. Probably right. higher than that for public school enrollment, too. Um, but yeah. but that is, the point here is, your peer group, and this is my one bit of parenting advice to the extent that I have any, your peer group, that is the peer group of your kids, is insanely important when it comes to determining what their overall academic success will be. And if you are, like Buck and I were, surrounded by nerdy kids who care yes. about academics, especially as you hit adolescence, you are more likely to achieve at a high level than if you were surrounded by people who don't and, care about academics at all. And, you know, we have Dr. Carol Swain uh, coming yes. up. We're talking to her. And, uh, you know, she's going to talk to us about the Harvard president. The Harvard president, Dr. Gay, wanted Roland... Fryer Jr. fired and detenured and fired, which is like impossible to do normally. But Clay, the reason in part was his his data crunching on white and Asian kids get more friends as they are more successful in school. Black and Latino kids and actually Latino kids more than black kids, according to his data, lose friends as their grades and their test scores improve. What is going Again, just looking at the numbers, that was sacrilege for this tenured, you know, really kind of like hotshot professor at Harvard to put that out there. And think about the culture that you're creating for young black and Hispanic kids that when they dominate academically, they have less of a good social circle around them. I mean, that's yeah. brutal. It's the exact no, just, opposite of what should happen. We should just, you know, what really helps? Just shut it all down and just say that it's all racism and and never fix anything. That's that's what the Democrats do. Uh, throw more money at it and tax you more, and say that it's no one's fault. There's no accountability for anybody, and uh, you know, it's, if people need to pay their fair share of taxes, it would all get better. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I wanted to thank everyone out there as we come up near the end of 2023 and get ready for what will certainly be an absolutely bonkers 2024. Both Buck and myself have had an awesome time hanging out with you, and it's nice to see that uh, we are being well-received here as we're coming into what your next year will be year number four, not the full year, but we started in 21. We'll be entering in the fourth year, obviously, behind these microphones. Uh, and Barrett News Media has a big industry poll that they do of the best news radio shows. And, you know, I hate to brag and draw attention to myself, as all of you out there listening know, and as Buck has certainly learned we were number one, so uh, that's pretty great. Sean Hannity was number two, so a lot of you are listening to us and Sean. Sean, I'm not sure if he has Wi-Fi on his uh, new private jet, so he may or may not have seen this yet, so I think he'll probably uh, do fine here. As uh, I saw DeSantis come out and say, hey, Sean Hannity's the best at hosting debates. Uh, we want to do a debate with uh, with Nikki Haley, in, in all seriousness. Sean's in the same studio with us in New York. He's phenomenal. Uh, and I think this is a credit to the work of Julie Talbot, but they've got us one, Sean two, and in third place, Glenn Beck. Uh, and that is the morning through the afternoon. And then they've got our friend Jesse Kelly uh, at eight. So the lineup that many of you are hearing distributed by Premier Radio, uh, our boss, Julie Talbot's done a fabulous job. We're excited to have this opportunity um, and uh, to see one, two, three, us, Hannity, and then Glenn Beck is uh, is pretty awesome. And we're having fun, and I think hopefully only the best still to come, Buck. 24 is going to be potentially the wildest election year combined with everything else that truly any of us have lived through. We can't wait to spend three hours every day with all of you throughout what is going to be a bonkers 2024. 
Thank you all for listening and for uh, giving us a, a shot. Obviously, trying to uh, follow in the steps of, of the greatest of all time is is a major task. And as I'm fond of saying, nobody can fill Russia's shoes. But Clay hopped into one shoe, I hopped into the other, and we're moving as fast as we can for uh, the benefit of this audience and doing the best job we can every day. So it's very gratifying to uh, get a little shout-out. And, um, you know, we just think... Uh, Despite what our friend Jesse Kelly says, we are humbled by this. We are humble, <laughs> not the opposite of humbled. We are joined by Dr. Carol Swain. She's a senior fellow at the Institute for Faith and Culture, also the author of the book, The Adversity of Diversity, which was released this past summer. Dr. Swain, honored to have you on the program. It's mutual. I'm quite excited. Thank you for all the good work you do. Thank you so much. Um, let, let's start with, uh, well... Why uh, your your name has certainly been in the news cycle for the last week or so. Uh, the president of Harvard, uh, still the president as we speak here. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Dr. Gay, uh, there are allegations from a friend of the show, Chris Rufo here and, and others, that she plagiarized some of your work. I wanted to ask you first about that. I mean, what do you think of those allegations? And what do you think of overall the fact that Dr. Gay seems to be held to a different standard than other university presidents like University of Pennsylvania's who have already resigned? Well, she is a documented serial plagiarist that that cannot be denied. And Harvard University can't decide unilaterally that they're going to change the definition of plagiarism just to protect its first ever black president. So that is certainly the case. And she lifted two passages from my prize-winning book, Black Faces, Black Interests, The Representation of African Americans in Congress. But her harm to me, I contend, go far beyond that because she did her early research in the area where I was the noted scholar who produced the path-breaking work. She built on my work and she did not give me proper acknowledgement or attribution. As a scholar, if you are working in an area where there is a leading professor, you acknowledge that work either to affirm it, to uh, refute it, or to expand it. She would have a citation in her bibliography, but anyone reading Claudine Gay's work would not know that about the work that I was the lead scholar on that was considered pathbreaking. So that's one issue. The other issue is to get early tenure at Princeton, the requirements back in the 1990s was that you had to have a path-breaking book, not a series of mediocre articles. And my book won three national prizes, was cited by many uh, lower courts as well as the Supreme Court. I have three Supreme Court citations. That was the path-breaking work that she should have acknowledged in her career. She did not, really. Dr. Swain, I appreciate you coming on. This is Clay. Uh, and I, I first want to say, glad that you have been at Vanderbilt University in the law school and the undergrad. I went to the law school. I think you've done fantastic work there. Um, you're, you're, my understanding is you're a mom, a grandma, and a great-grandma. So I want to look at it from this perspective. When you see what Harvard is saying to defend their president right now, Claudine Gay, not only as a scholar, obviously, because you have achieved a tremendous amount uh, in your career, 
but as a mom, grandma, and great-grandma, what do you think when the NAACP says it's racist to question uh, Dr. Gay in any way about her scholarship? Well, I've been black all of my life, and all of my life, whenever a black person was challenged on the left, the uh, reaction from the elites, it, it's always racist. And so you can't challenge one of their um, fellow elite blacks without hearing the the charge that it has to be racist. It always has to be racist. If you're white, you have to be a white supremacist. I would say that the people uh, from the NAACP don't really understand the issue. And one of the nuances of the issue as it pertains to me is that in her published work, that we now know that parts of it was plagiarized, uh, she, in my opinion, cheated me out of citations because in academia, your statue depends on how many citations you get. And if there's someone working in an area where you did path-breaking work and they're not adequately citing your work or acknowledging it, it hurts you over time. And so I'm a person, I took early retirement from Vanderbilt in 2017, largely because of the woke environment. And and when I look at her, who is, quote, a distinguished professor, she won a prize for her senior thesis. She won a prize for her dissertation. And now we know she is a serial plagiarist. I believe that people like her, who have had the most elite education, she went to Phillips Exeter Academy uh, uh, for her high school, then she went to Harvard University and was tenured at Stanford University. She's education that America has to offer, and yet she has not produced any path-breaking work. Uh, I would say her work is mediocre as be- at best. It should not have warranted tenure at Stanford. Dr. Swain, um, you no doubt uh, have, I'm sure, thought about what the future holds here in the environment where the Supreme Court has weighed in uh, most recently on affirmative action in college admissions and deemed it deemed it unconstitutional. Uh, I wanted to know if if you think that, given all of your time in academia, that we are at a turning point for both college admissions and also for the hiring of professors when it comes to relying on diversity as a primary, really a game-changing indicator of who they're going to take? Or is this just going to be a long series of lawsuits over many, many years to get these schools to start changing how they admit students and how they hire and tenure professors? Well, we're certainly, I believe, at a turning point, and that's the one reason why this book, The Adversity of Diversity, is important because it points out that CRT and DEI programs violate the Constitution and our civil rights laws in the same way as race-based affirmative action And I also contend that we can have diversity without discrimination. All we have to do is go back to the original intent of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, enforce the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. That does not prohibit outreach to persons, but that outreach needs to be done to qualified individuals of all races. And so it should be uh, the death deal for DEI programs, the left, they have already declared that they're going to resist in the same way as people resisted on the left and on the right. 
the um, 1954 Brown versus Board of Education school desegregation ruling, it meant for me as a child, I did not attend integrated schools until the late 1960s because of the massive resistance. Progressives have, have declared that they're going to continue doing what they've always done. And I have been encouraging white Americans, Asians, Amer Asian Americans, men, Christians, various groups who are protected by the civil rights laws to exercise uh, and defend their rights by filing lawsuits. And I know that lawsuits are being won by white Americans and by men who have been discriminated against because they are male, because uh, you know they have a female boss or female bosses that have accused them of being you know toxic because they're male or they have, and they openly tell men, they tell white people, we have to uh, promote you know someone else. You cannot take advantage of this scholarship or this promotion opportunity because of your race. That is blatantly against the law. More Americans need to know their rights. And one of the things I've tried to do with my research is to make them aware. And so even before the adversity of diversity, I published a book, um, Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. DEI and critical race theory, both of those uh, theories are deeply rooted in neo-Marxism. And the end goal of neo-Marxism is to bring down America, to usher in global globalism, to get rid of first world countries. Dr. Swain, do you think if if uh, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, were fired, that it would be an improvement? Do you think it would send an important message? Or is all of this toxicity with which I think it's fair to say she is a standard bearer for, is it so deeply embedded in these universities now that it doesn't really change anything because the next person up will basically be a clone of, uh, of of Dr. Gay in many ways as well, in that they'll b believe the same things. What should happen in your mind here? And if Harvard University wants to be considered a world-class university again, they have to do something about Dr. Gay because Dr. Gay is an embarrassment to education in America, not just in higher education, but also K through and my hope is, is that we are at a turning point and that universities, they're losing students because students are not seeing a college education as a good investment. And I have met parents and grandparents who are giving their children an option of taking that college money that was saved up and starting businesses rather than going to a four-year college. So they're losing students. They're losing respect. They're at a point where they could actually do the right thing. And all they have to do is to bring back the original intent of higher education, to expose students to a marketplace of ideas, to uh, create an environment where you're exposed to new ideas, where you have to wrestle with new ideas. That's how critical thinking takes place. It cannot take place in indoctrination centers. And I would also contend that it hurts racial and ethnic minorities the most, and especially those of us of all races who have worked our butts off to get where we are when they lower the standards and they lower them for someone who's had an opportunity to have the best education, 
that America has to offer and they're lowering the standard for that person? I don't think so. And I said in another interview, I cannot let this go. I can't let it go because the future of American education is at stake and what is happening is harming everyone. And I intend to stay on uh, Dr. Gay's, not Dr. Gay, because I don't know about whether she earned her doctorate, but President Gay's case, just like white on rice. <laughs> until Dr. she resigns. Dr. Swain, you're fantastic. I appreciate you coming on with us and sharing your story. Um, and uh, good luck with all those uh, grandkids and great-grandkids as Christmas gets closer. I'm sure you're super busy, as many of us are, with all of that. And we appreciate you giving us that time. Thank you. That is Dr. Carol Swain. I encourage you guys to check her out. She's active on social media, and she is a truth teller in a world where often truth is not told very often, is all too often so many of you have experienced. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start. Start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, go back and listen on the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe. First, got to download the iHeartRadio app to your phone. It's easy. It's free. It's great. It lets you do a lot of things, listen to a lot of good stuff, music as well as this show. Um, but uh, you can subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Section Show podcast. You've also got Tudor Dixon on there, Carol Markowitz, our good friend. 
Her podcast goes into that feed, so please subscribe, and you'll have lots of great content to listen to, doing chores around the house, at the gym, on the treadmill, etc., etc., all that good stuff, in the car on the way to work or coming home. Um, I do. Speaking of cars or vehicles, um, I have an update on Bus 27, Clay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. For everybody out there who doesn't know, was it, when did we talk about Bus 27 in Miami Beach? Last week, I told everybody that I had a nemesis in my new home. Bus 27 was coming by, and the noise it was making was something along like, I mean, it was horrible, making a horrible noise. I'm sorry I had to do that to all of you listening across the country, but it was this like screeching sound, and it would only make it when it was at a stop. So when it's driving, you would never know, but for some reason when it was idling, it would make this terrible noise. And so I, I had my first experience with Miami Beach uh, Civil Administration or whatever. Um, I had to call around and call around. I eventually found the people in charge of maintenance for the bus. I eventually found the people in charge of putting the contractors who actually do the maintenance for the bus. And the, my first go-around, Clay, you know what they told me? Sorry, we had it looked at. There's no problem with that bus. There's no sound. To which I had to say, excuse me, sir, that white whale, so to speak, is still breaching. It is still spouting. It is out there. And I have my harpoon at the ready. So I called them again. I said, I shall not be denied. I will not let this go. This noise is disrupting me and so many of my neighbors. And do you know what they did, Clay? Because I am so persistent and so annoying. They had the contractor look at the bus again, this time knowing that I would not accept anything less than the full and sufficient reversal of this ear-piercing sound. And they called me. Uh, they called me today to say, "Sir, we just want to say thank you so much. You were right. There was an issue with maintenance. They figured it out. And now, bus twenty-seven <laughs> is purring like a kitten. Has bus twenty-seven driven past now? Fixed? Have oh, you yes, noticed it many times? Every time, every time it goes by, my heart sings just a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> yes, my civic duty has been done. I I can't believe so. If you had not moved to this new place in I called Miami them four Beach. times, just so you understand. I went through four phone conversations about this. At least, How much time five. do you think you spent to get the bus fixed? Like total like time on your like, I'm behalf? Mean, an hour or two, probably. Yeah. But it's now oh, yeah. fixed forever. Fixed. Bus 27. It's, it is <laughs> like a finely, it is, the, it is like the Porsche 911 of buses now. Finely tuned machine. I mean, what do they always say? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, here, yeah. you have proven once and for all the bus. Uh, you managed to get a bus fix. So everybody out there who's frustrated with local politics or national politics, everything else, Buck Sexton has has saved the ears of countless Miami Beach residents. I am the old man in your neighborhood who gets the pothole fixed, my friends. I am the one who changes Closing hours for the bar so they can't serve after 1 a.m. or whatever. That is, I you need me on that wall. Well, you now need you're losing a wall. lot of support because there's a lot of people out there listening to us who need as much alcohol as they can to make it through uh, the, 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 the world right now, uh, including the holidays coming up. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.